I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons, where you come just to boo us. I am your host, certified number two, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today. Being there and being square, <laughs> Henry Gilbert, hi! Hello, and we're preempting this week's Talking Simpsons for a very special episode. And no, we won't learn anything about drugs or sex or <laughs> uh, teenage pregnancies, but it's very special because this week you're going to be hearing our live show we recorded on October 20th in Portland with Bill Oakley. It's amazing. It's fantastic, and we can't wait for you to listen to it. It's so important. We're knocking this week's episode to the future. Uh, next week, you'll hear it, but this week, it's all about our live show. Yeah, sorry, my sister, my sitter, but that <laughs> has to wait till next week. And it's a really good one, but this is to, I mean, this was the biggest live show we've ever done, I would say. we. Oh, for sure. We both flew out to Portland. We did a show at the lovely venue, Kelly's Olympian, and uh, sold out crowd, and we got to meet Mr. Bill Oakley. What a fine gentleman. He was a treasure and a gem, both things in one. And yes, we know a lot about The Simpsons. Uh, Henry and I have read almost every Simpsons book, watched all the commentaries numerous times. But on this episode, we learn things, mm-hmm. and you will too. I couldn't believe I learned new things about these episodes I'd seen 40 times. Yeah, about four or five major things in here. And it's, I guess, too, I will mention that we had a visual component for this. So we, we played the video with the clips. You'll hear the clips, but obviously you won't see them. But they uh, normally don't see them, though. Yeah. So, <laughs> so use your imagination. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, you guys know the scenes. And uh, I mean, watch along at home if you're really curious about it. But there's some really cool stuff Bill reveals here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, thank you once again to all of our patrons on the Talking Simpsons Network. You made all of this possible. You helped fund Henry's travel and other things uh, like our lifestyles, our <laughs> podcasting lifestyles. And without you, things like this live show couldn't happen. So if you're interested in joining the Talking Simpsons Network, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, and please subscribe at the $5 level. That is our most basic level. You will get all of the episodes of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad-free, and the same goes for What a Cartoon, and there is so much happening at that $5 level. There is miniseries like Talking Critic, Talking Futurama, and whatever we do next year, that will be exclusive to the Patreon. We have so many interviews. I believe we have 15 interviews at this point in time that are locked to the Patreon, monthly community podcasts, season wrap-ups, behind-the-scenes specials, and just uh, just fun things we decided to do and put on the Patreon, like our One Piece special we did in the summer. Yeah, and our monthly community podcast, Talk to the Audience, where we talk about our favorite comments from the month and also Simpsons news that happened during that time. And yeah, those interviews, I want to especially say some of our most recent ones are so good. If you liked hearing this stuff with Bill Oakley, you should definitely listen to the Dan McGrath interview, which we call back to, as well as Bill Morrison, who co-founded Bongo Comics back in 1993, worked on all of the Simpsons comics you know and love. Plus, Bill Morrison had more of an impact on Futurama than I think any of us really realized, and you can find out all about that in our recent interview with him, as well as animator extraordinaires like Mark Kirkland and David Silverman and Mike Reese and Bill Oakley at one other time and Josh Weinstein. So many important interviews right there. We're going to talk to everybody, yes. So joining the Talking Simpsons Network is the ideal way to listen to all of our podcasts. And if you haven't joined or listened to any of the bonus stuff, there's so much stuff you haven't heard 
covered dozens and dozens of bonus podcasts just waiting there for you at the low, low cost of five bucks a month. But yes, that is the Talking Simpsons Network, and that is at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And it's so easy to use Patreon to get all those exclusive podcasts. When you sign up at the $5 level or any of the others, you are given a custom URL that you put into your podcast downloading device of choice that will work like any other subscription. So you will get it right there. You don't even have to use the Patreon app to listen. You can just input that into your podcast device of choice. So yes, that's the Talking Simpsons Network at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We'd really appreciate your support. We have so much bonus content waiting there for you as our show of appreciation. So that's enough from us. Please enjoy this live show with Bill Oakley recorded on October 20th at Kelly's Olympian in Portland. Hey, hoy, hoy, everybody. Welcome to the Talking Simpsons live show in Portland. And this is where we all exchange long protein strings. I am your, I'm one of your hosts, the disappointed and terrified Bob Mackey. And this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Fan of nude conspiracies, Henry Gilbert. Hi. And as I said earlier, this is our Halloween live show. Yes. And yes, you're at the special Halloween live show. All the jerks were at the first show. <laughs> but for this show, we have a special guest. You know him from Instagram as a dominant food reviewer. He also did a little television, Bill Oakley. <laughs> of course, uh, we are not worthy. Bill worked on The Simpsons for about five years. And he's here to help us walk through a lot of our favorite segments of the show, uh, all of which he was a part of. Yes. Hi, Bill. Hello. (laughs) And that's all Bill will be saying. He won't be saying anything or doing anything. You guys are saying it as Bob said it. Uh, well, no, Bill, thanks for coming on down. Uh, you, you live in the Portland area. I do. I've lived in Portland for 10 years now, and uh, this is actually the first Simpsons thing I've ever done here. Wow. wow. Yeah, I've been on Livewire a couple times, but that, that's a classy thing, <laughs> <laughs> unlike this. This uh, is a rinky-nick operation. Right, of course, yes. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I'm excited to be here. This is one of my favorite Simpsons podcasts, if not the primo Ooh. Simpsons podcast, Whoa. and I'm excited to make it my first Portland Simpsons thing. Oh, my God. Thank you. Yes, thank you. You guys, you guys have the honor of being Bill's first audience for this in Portland, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well... Before we get into Simpsons stuff, I did want to know, Bill, as, as the premier food reviewer on Instagram, what, <laughs> what is your favorite Halloween candy? <laughs> if we start talking about food, I'm not going to stop for 35 or 40 minutes. <laughs> okay. All right. uh, Twix, is that up there? Does anyone uh-huh. here remember PB Max? PB Max. <laughs> okay. All right. I told you. Forget oh. about The Simpsons. We're going to talk All about right. food. <laughs> okay. I assume PB means peanut butter. Yes. Okay. Yes. We're halfway this there. This is the best candy bar ever. Okay, guys. This is going to take 10 minutes. This is the best, <laughs> this is the best candy, bar, candy creation of all time. It was kind of like a, a cookie stuffed with peanut butter. It was made by M&M Mars mm. in the late 90s. And Josh and I loved it so much that we actually had a crate of them in our, in our office. <laughs> no kidding. And then it suddenly became discontinued. And it, and it drove us crazy. And we could never find it. <laughs> And it turns out, you know, the Mars Brothers, or the Mars Brothers who founded M&M Mars, are European. 
Mm. And they don't like things with peanuts. They like things with hazelnuts. And so, like, it was apparently a part of just their whole slash the peanut strategy, which I guess probably stopped after they died. But um, it hasn't, hasn't come back since then, and, and that's my favorite Halloween candy of all time. Thank wow. you. Wow. So their anti-peanut agenda lasted after their deaths. Yeah, I think, well, the thing is, you see so many different types of M&Ms now, many of them with peanuts, and you see a lot of other peanut things coming from the company. I suspect that they lost their grip on it. Hmm. <laughs> so PB Max is good comedy f- uh, fuel, right? Oh, my God, it puts you right to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) But then you dream of great jokes. You write in the show. I assume this is how comedy writing works for television. Never, never. Really, the best comedy writing is always done on an empty stomach, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, uh, Because it always became, like at The Simpsons... I know you guys, if you guys listen to the Doughboys podcast, we talked about this recently. Like, there's so much eating at The Simpsons. I lost 65 pounds after I left the show. Um, That's totally true. Because it's your only... This was... We worked there before the... um, before people had cell phones, which are the constant distraction in the room now. So there was really no distraction. It was just work, 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 9, 10, 12 hours a day, and your only relief was the food. So everybody would make a huge show of ordering a ton of food, and we'd all overeat all the time, and, and it became a huge uh, embarrassment to, to many of us. So, okay, I told you we were talking about food. We're going to get back to the show. So you would just be grazing on candy between jokes. Right, right. Well, that's but, what... Yeah, a, Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, they had a ton of Butterfinger BBs in there, didn't we they? Did. Yeah. We, we did. We had those Butterfinger BBs because uh, the Simpsons did a... Um, the Simpsons did ads for Butterfingers, as you may know if you ever watch TV in the 90s. Um, <laughs> and, and we got a lot of free stuff, including this thing called Butterfinger BBs, which was like their, their Whoppers that were filled with, with Butterfinger. And they became, people would throw them around the room and stuff. And, and we had this dispenser, there was a little dispenser that was um, made, sent by Butterfinger, then you could tilt it and one would roll out, and it got filled with water. And they became all, they became all muddy, and then people would throw them around the room, and it became a huge mess. Oh, God. <laughs> Ugh, man. Uh, well, okay, though. With the, okay, so when you worked on The Simpsons, you, from your well, from the beginning, you were working on the Treehouse of Horror uh, shows. Like, what was your first one? Uh, three, I would guess. Treehouse three. Yes, but we were only there. Like, we arrived. We arrived literally like the week after they had the table reading for the monorail show, hmm. and they were writing the day that we started. They were rewriting the Hard Attack, Homer's Triple Bypass. Heart Attack show, and, the, and I think around that time, the animatic, the animatic is the black and white animation that you see about halfway through the process. Um, for Treehouse of Horror 3 came back, I guess, pretty soon. And so that's the one, that's the one with the King Kong, right? And, yeah. and the Krusty doll, and, w- and what was the third one? Dial Z for Zombie. Yes, and that's the one, those were great. I mean, all we did as the new writers at that point was sit there and marvel at the geniuses cranking this stuff out, <laughs> and, and of course eat a lot of food and, and pieces of pie and Butterfinger BBs. But, um, but this one, I don't think we contributed very much to. It was just, it was certainly in process while we were there, but um, we were the junior guys on the totem pole at that point. And I believe uh, we talked to Dan McGrath, and some of the a lot of the jokes in this were ADR jokes written after the fact. It was a more uh, more of a popular process during that time, and I believe he was telling us he did do the uh, you know it comes with the free Froger. That's good. The Froger contains potassium benzoate. That's bad. That whole back and forth was just built in recycled animation. And did you have anything uh, to do with that part of the rewriting process for this show? I don't recall it the way that Dan recalls it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I do recall, I think I do, I don't know if Dan was there at that time, but maybe he was. Okay. I, I think it was that case. Like that, during that time, the shows always came in short because Mike and Al um, were always really particular and would cut anything that didn't get a laugh. So they, the shows would sometimes come in short and we were always stretching them. And I think, I believe that was one of those attempts. Hmm, okay. 
One, what, what was the, like the philosophy at the start when you joined for like what makes a good Treehouse of Horror in those in those early seasons when you guys just had gotten started, you and Josh? Well, again, at this point, we weren't in command. We were just um, you know the lowly uh, soldiers, and and I think we didn't have anything to do with this one and the other. I think the ideal one is one that was scary as well. I mean, to be to really just be extremely blunt and, and uncreative about it, it's got to be scary and funny too. And that's like, and, and that's kind of what it was. And, and often it would be something that would was drawn from another medium, like a parody of The Shining or a parody of a Twilight Zone episode. Other times it would be like just a general, you know, satirical stab at the zombie genre, like this was. Um, but I can tell you in general, we had a couple of books in the room that most of these ideas came... It was much easier to write these back in uh, 20 years ago when the ideas hadn't all been used. At this point, <laughs> at this point it was like we, could, we had a Twilight Zone companion. We had a book that was like the great horror movies of all time. And you would just pick it up and you'd leaf through it and go, oh, there's a great one, you know, whatever. There, and, and, and it would be much easier um, to come up with ideas uh, for these. And it was, we had a, a surplus of ideas. Did you have uh, any horror pitches that uh, before you took over the show? Did you have any treehouse pitches that didn't get through? Not that I recall. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, are these shows more complicated in terms of writing and animation when you're working on them, the Treehouse of Horror shows? They're always very long. At least that's the other problem that we had is that you may notice that but prior to the time that we took over, they all had introductions. They often even had right. wraparounds, like that were telling a horrifying story or whatnot. And then it, I think when we took over, we couldn't even, we had no room for the wraparound even. Like, and so we ended up just having it be like the opening credits and then the show begins without this wraparound. So those were the production issues. Um, the other thing is that, uh, you know, they become, they, be, they become harder to cut as time goes on because there's a certain amount of time in a regular episode, you've got a lot more material that can easily be cut without hurting the story. In these six-minute segments, it becomes super hard, especially right. when it's really plot-heavy. Hmm. One, why? So we're starting. The first one we're going to do is Time and Punishment from season six, Three S Far Five. And I noticed, I definitely felt like from Gene and Reese to Dave Merkin's years, definitely they got more violent. Uh, was that was that the sense too? I, yeah, I think that, um, well, I think that we were pushing, like, you recall that when this first happened, people were really shocked, people were shocked by a boy saying, get my shorts. In, 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 19, in 1990, like, it's hard for you guys to believe, especially guys who were like, what, he'd be 20, he'd be, you could be 30 years old and not have lived through that era. But at the time, it was really shocking. Like, people were really mad about The Simpsons in 1990. And, like, they couldn't believe that a boy... And, the, and like, there was all this... If you look it up in the history books, there was a lot of stuff about, like... I can't... They wouldn't let people wear Bart Simpson T-shirts to school because it said underachiever and proud yeah, of we it. lived through that era. Yeah. I mean, that... And, and at the time, the violence was also part of the problem. Like, that's why we literally had... In that first... Was it the first or the second one? Marge came out and warned... She gave a very sincere warning that said, like, if you have any little ones in the room... You, do you know what I'm talking about? Was yeah, I think it was one? for the first three or four years, right, Henry? Yeah. She, and that was a real warning. We had to have that. And then after, over time, that just went away because people got a nerd... <laughs> whatever cultural collapse we experienced around that time. <laughs> uh, the, sh- the show itself warped enough minds that uh, exactly. it just became inured to all that violence. And nobody cared, and we didn't have time for it anyway, so the warning got cut, too. But yes, I think there's no question that Merkin... 
Mick Merkin was uh, was really big on physical comedy and violence. If you've seen those two seasons that he ran, you know that that, that was one of the things he liked, and, and he was really good at it. So that's probably why you noticed that. Yeah, no, one of my favorite uh, violence jokes in his seasons is Ned getting shot like tw- <laughs> twice by in the Krusty the Clown, Homer, Homie the Clown episode. Like, that is such... Just shocking violence, and these were so bloody. And same of like the, the itchy and scratchy ones in season five and six are oh, just yeah. so bloody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, did you guys? How did you guys feel about the violence? Do you guys add more violence to your uh, Treehouse of Horrors after seeing what they got away with in five and six? I, I, we didn't put any inorganic violence. It, I, I mean, we did. We only did whatever, six segments in, in the two seasons that I was running it, and none of them were particularly violent, except for the, the only one that I ever got, that people said they, they were upset by was the Nightmare on Elm Street one with, uh, with Grunskeeper Willie um, playing Freddy Krueger, and a lot of people, that wasn't really all that violent, but I think just because it really aped the movie, the, the scariness of the movie, and it was pretty sincere with really dark music, people, a lot of people over the years, and even back then, were like, that was too scary. <laughs> they didn't say it was too violent. They said it was too scary. And and I, guess, I mean, yeah. for little kids, I think it definitely probably was. Martin's like death lock he's in is very is very freaky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or also the like screaming skeleton of groundskeeper Willie. Yeah, that's, that's also pretty. pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I mean, if I can, if you were like a seven or eight year old kid and you saw that, I think it would be too. It would be pretty scary. That's a favorite one of mine too because you guys really. You were wittier writers than the Freddy Krueger writers. <laughs> like you wrote great puns that Freddy Krueger would say, except much. I, I they would weren't say easy clever. to write, and you know those guys probably had to have they had to get to lunch on time. <laughs> <laughs> except my fa- in that one, he runs out of his wit when he's like Sinky Sand, like that. That's <laughs> no possible joke for that. So we just gave up and put Sinky Sand. <laughs> I just figured Grandskeeper Willie, like he'd run out of his prepared material. Yeah, he's yeah, just, that's the charitable. I, I brought quick. twenty quips. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to get into the uh, second? Yeah, why don't we get into the yeah. first one here? So this is from season six. This is Time and Punishment, written by Greg Daniels and Dan McGrath, who they really only co-wrote. Uh, they weren't really writing partners other than on Halloween shows, I oh, believe. Yeah. I have yeah. Stuff for this oh yeah. All right. All right. Well, here let's take. Uh, let's get to the start of Time and Punishment. One of my favorite like cold opens of a Halloween segment ever. You know, Marge, I've had my share of troubles, but sitting here now with you and the kids in our cozy home in this beautiful free country, it just makes me feel that I'm really a lucky guy. Dad! Your hand is jammed in the toaster! What? Dad! Dad! So yeah, we were talking about uh, Merkin being in a physical comedy. When I when I first saw this, I assumed it would be like Maximum Overdrive and about evil appliances. <laughs> it's a good mislead. Oh, uh, I I just like to imagine Homer is slipping his hand into the uh, it, when you can't see his hand when he's sliding down. It's just him slowly slipping his hand back into the toaster. And I can tell our we have a good audience because you started laughing immediately when you saw the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> so you understand uh, what's coming. 
Uh, but yeah, it, that gives no indication that this is going to be a time travel story <laughs> based on a Ray Bradbury uh, book. But it's, right. it's such a fun... This is before the butterfly effect was like a thing people just knew as a reference, you know, like this. But it's all about that and just changing the past as they go. There's a lot of Jurassic Park built into this too. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, so Homer... Oh, sorry, Bill. Do you have more clips from this? Episode? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got plenty of clips. My clips are about the dystopia, my remarks. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. we, got, we got a lot about the dystopia. Okay. It's the best part of the segment. <laughs> uh, but, but first, Homer has to rebuild that toaster. There, better than new. Now to take her for a test toast. Just notice that's in his pocket. That's so weird. What the... Look at that! I'm the first non-Brazilian person to travel backwards through time! Correction, Homer. You're the second. That's right, Mr. Peabody! Quiet, you. <laughs> now, there's some controversy about that joke. Yeah. I, yeah, I, Bill, I, 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 Bill, what does that joke even mean? <laughs> well, now, I mean... 20 years later, I can say that at the time, we were like, at least three-quarters of the people in the writer's room were like, what? Uh, <laughs> According, well, I bought a DVD 15 years ago, so I know the truth. Oh, okay, well, and that, I and remember that is, the moment, and I was like, what's happening here? This joke is going in the script? Go ahead. The original joke is a non-fictional person that travel backwards through time. And Homer in this reality is what? Non-fictional? Is that, what it was? that may have been what it was in the first draft. Yeah, and his lips are saying non-fictional, too. But, is that right? Yeah, but now I guess the, the joke was, let's change it to a non-sequitur, and that would be better. I guess that's what I took it as, is non-Brazilian is just a non-sequitur. I, so. I still don't know what <laughs> It's fun to see people. non-sequitur, I know. Even the writers are confused by this. There's at least two or three writers who loved it. I, I'm not among them. Somebody won a vote in that. <laughs> uh, now, I mean, the joke makes... If it's not fictional, I like that joke because it would imply that P Homer thinks he is non-fictional, as do Peabody and Sherman, so they're all referring themselves as non-fictional when they are fictional characters. I think I, that was the original intent yeah. of the people who wrote that for the draft, yes. Yeah, I mean, Brazilian is just a... Yeah, I, when I was a kid and heard that joke, I looked at my mom and was like, was there news of a Brazilian man who said he time-traveled? Is this, is this pulled from the headlines? What is this about? I, uh, we had no answers then and, and none now either. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the time travel is like the shot. I love the time travel effect. It's like a uh, quantum leap kind of jump there. Yeah, it looks like yeah. just the white consuming him, and and then the time tunnel. It looks like from the show Time Tunnel, the Irwin Allen show. But uh, which I only know from clips. I've never watched that show. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So Homer Homer is ends up in the past. <laughs> I've gone back to the time when dinosaurs weren't just confined to zoos. <laughs> okay, don't panic. Remember the advice your father gave you on your wedding day. If you ever travel back in time, <laughs> don't step on anything, because even the tiniest change can alter the future in ways you can't imagine. Fine. As long as I stand perfectly still and don't touch anything, I won't destroy the future. Stupid bug! You go squish now! <laughs> but that was just one little insignificant mosquito. That can't change the future, right? Right? 
This is not canon, clearly, but we just did a Millhouse Divided, and in that uh, episode, Bill, you flash back to the Simpsons' depressing wedding, and I really wish now you would have written the scene in of Grandpa telling Homer that. He was, <laughs> he was yeah. always there with time travel advice. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> no, well, that... As we all know, that is non canonical because they only got married across the border. Uh, and it was just Homer Marge there, which that was in Millhouse Divided, which I love. Like they, yeah, we just we hooked it up to that old flashback. Yeah. You even included a clip in there, which it was so crazy to see clips with, in a non clip show. Yeah. And uh, it's why I love that because it, it would always bug me when there'd be, you'd have a Simpsons wedding joke and it wasn't canonically correct with the previously seen wedding. I, I take it too seriously, I'm sure. <laughs> this is the first we've ever heard of pedantic Simpsons nerds. Yeah, it's just not happening. I should be wearing a shirt that says genius at work. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but that was a good, uh, like, Alf Clausen, I'm assuming, wrote that. The riff on the Jurassic Park music, that was really nice, too. It's, it's a good... This one goes all over the place of being, it starts as this Ray Bradbury time travel thing, then you get a Jurassic Park moment, and soon we're going to have like T-1000 Brazil futurism. <laughs> it's, it's a real, this goes so many places. This is such a packed segment by McGrath and, and Daniels here. And, but yeah, let's get to the, uh, the Ned's future. Oh, my loving family. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Host, hey, what the hell is that geek Flanders doing on TV? Oh, I see by the big board we got a negative Nelly in Sector 2. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask the whole family to kind of freeze and prepare for re-education. Don't you remember, Dad? Flanders is the unquestioned lord and master of the world. Don't! Something about the very flatness of Bart's delivery, <laughs> saying yeah. the explaining the history of the world made it even funnier. Slight wall-eyed stare. But yeah. Bill, you said you have stories right. about the Flanders dystopia. Is there another clip? Uh, oh, yeah, there's, more, more, there's more. There's yeah. more. I didn't know if you had something to set up. I haven't seen up. this in a long time, and I do know I have a, a very short, moderately interesting story. But uh. I want to see the the clip for. I'm not sure which clip it is. Okay. We'll, we'll be well. the judge of how moderately interesting it is. <laughs> uh, but I, I love it so much, and in these earlier Halloween specials, you get a lot of fun out of Flanders being the villain. He is the devil. He shows up as a zombie in a, there were a lot framing of device. About this. this is my part, part of my anecdote. You're stepping on it. Oh, oh, sorry. 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 <laughs> uh, Quick, Henry, play more clips. Okay, ruining the show. Right, next clip. <laughs> okay, everybody, let's see some big smiles. Ooh. Just relax and let the hooks do their work. What the hell are you smiling at? Oh. Now, in case all that smiling didn't cheer you up, there's one thing that never fails. A nice glass of warm milk, a little nap, and a total frontal lobotomy. It's not so bad, Homer. They go into your nose and they let you keep the piece of brain they cut out. Look. Ooh, hello. Hello there. Who's that big man there? Who's that? Join us, Father. It's bliss. No! <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, God. The, the, they're gums. The freakish Simpsons gums there. It's, it's I'm glad we never see yeah. the gums again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, why would people with yellow skin have pink gums? That's, I'm confused by that. I, it's a... <laughs> Got to pick a color. <laughs> they should be orange. <laughs> but that face manipulation, that's what really feels like Brazil to me. Yeah. The, uh, Even though in that movie, I guess it was voluntary. But See, okay, I'm going to... Th- this is the thing. This... I don't know if I love the Ned thing. Like, this is the thing. This is, there was a number of debates, mm. and I think that we're going to get... I don't want to get into a lot of, <laughs> uh, you know, history here, but the, I guess that's what you guys are here for. The... the, 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 the Dan McGrath and Greg Daniels were drafted to do this after they had just done the big rewrite of the space episode. Okay. Okay. Ah. And they and they weren't really a team, but they had done a really good job rewriting this script for this Homer Deep Space Homer, right? So they have to do this. They, in my opinion, did a draft that was one of the funniest drafts I've ever read. But it's only half of it is in here. It wasn't like this. It didn't have Ned Flanders, and it was more free joke. It was like again. I think probably Merkin made the right decision in that he put this Ned thing in. It's more personalized to Homer. Mm. However, the original draft had a million hilarious alternate universe jokes which are not in this final thing, including one of my favorite. Like, what happened was he kept getting... Homer kept getting dumped into these weird like um, communist society type things where there were these giant like red square parades but the people who were running the thing like you know how they have these parades in Red Square and there's giant posters of Lenin and, and you know Stalin and so forth and the, and the generals up there mm-hmm. well at one point it kept shifting like who was it and there, who was it and then at one point it was the Beatles and it was the whole, <laughs> it was it was John Paul George and Ringo up there and there was some giant fa- like communist fascist society that was all run by the Beatles and there was all sorts of crazy stuff and that was literally one of my favorite jokes that, that ever I saw in a script and it, it, it just it went the way of Ned Flanders for this so um, that's what I wanted to talk to you about uh, I wonder if they thought they'd get Paul McCartney on the show I know Dave Merkin's a big fan maybe it's yeah. possible that's why it got cut but there, but it's not um, I preferred and, and I think that probably again Merkin made the right decision making it more personal to Homer that it was Ned but at the time there were like a dozen hilarious alternate universe hmm. jokes that, that we wanted to see animated well, I guess you know that that also brings up another cut thing, Roy. So, yeah. oh, Roy, yeah, yeah. I, I want I wanted to get to the truth of Roy here, the multiple like, Roy theory. <laughs> well, so well, so Dan, we interviewed Dan McGrath. He mentioned that in his uh, original draft of this with Daniels that there was a son. There was no Bart. There was Roy in one of the worlds, and and he. I don't all, remember that. Oh, really? He. Yeah, Roy became a meme in the writer's room, according to Dan McGrath. Like, they mm. wanted to work the name Roy into a lot of things. And we weren't sure if Roy in the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show was a, a reference to Roy Mania. It was not, but it certainly could have been planted in our brains. And we were <laughs> calling it subconsciously because I don't, I don't remember what he's talking about, but it definitely sounds like it was part of that draft mm. with all the alternate realities. I think he was a, like a droopy style character, just a low energy, sad kid. <laughs> uh, I, I, I believe it. I think that's, again, again that, I don't remember that much about that draft other than the Beatles thing, but I think that Roy thing was in there, and it's totally possible mm. that we internalized it and, and regurgitated it later without giving him any credit. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that Roy, the Roy that moves in with the Simpsons is very different from that draft Roy. He's very sure. proactive. Yeah. <laughs> very proactive. <laughs> Uh, but all right, Homer needs to h- go back and fix the future. You're gaining on me. Wait, I have an idea. These wieners will give me the quick energy I need to escape. <laughs> I gotta go back. Fix future. 
This time I'm not gonna touch a thing. Mustn't crush, mustn't kill, made it! Oh, I wish, I wish I hadn't killed that fish. So I think in this season there were two versions of the joke in which a dog is chasing you using meat. In this one, it makes Homer faster. In Lemon of Troy, it makes the dogs faster because it yeah. gives them a taste for meat. <laughs> I like both twists on that joke a lot. Uh, just the, the science of Homer eating while running and then also is, is a lot of wall-eyed Homers in the Merkin years. <laughs> which they, every time I see that drawn, it makes me laugh. And, and it's kind of Seussian saying of squishing that fish, also pretty funny. But... Uh, so, so Homer heads back to his timeline, and that's somehow made everyone giant. And you get a fun Yardley Smith's uh, like mean voice for like uh, two two lines, basically. Uh, and then Homer heads back, and we kind of get a repeat of that scene. This is one of my another of my favorite moments this whole episode here. This is gonna cost me. No! I mean, hey. Good morning, Father dear. Hope you're well. Are we taking the new Lexus to Aunt Patty and Selma's funeral today? Hmm, fabulous house, well-behaved kids, sisters-in-law dead, luxury sedan. Woohoo! I hit the jackpot! Marge, dear, would you kindly pass me a donut? Donut? What's a donut? (laughs) It's raining again. One thing about the future is uh, corn is blue. Yep. Based on the curtains. But I do love how Homer does have his perfect life and he runs screaming in terror away from it. He could have just stayed for five seconds. It's, it's uh, a great joke. Much more of the cruelty to, to Homer in this one. Uh, and also just him screaming, just anytime Dan Kesslin yeah. had a scream. And you guys had a great Foley artist or sound effects person on, on the show. Yeah, who was that, Bill? The... Uh, I think it was Travis Powers yeah. and all that stuff, yeah. right? He's a genius with that stuff. We've He's... watched these clips a lot now, just doing the shows and rehearsing and stuff, and you have to come up with Foley for different dinosaurs sneezing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of times impressive. that would just be done by the writers, too, because like, we would be on the stage, and they, they wouldn't have the right one. So ah. Josh and me or whoever was there, Dave Merkin or whatever, would, would act it, and, and they would put it in. Wow. Can you remember any notable sound effects you made on the show? <laughs> Yes, but it's going to take me a few minutes. To okay. Come back to okay. <laughs> uh, well, why, while we wait, why don't we check out what's happening with Homer in the future? Don't touch anything! <laughs> I'll touch whatever I feel like! I'm going to pause that there. Is this, okay, is the House of Squirrels in there or not? It is no, not in we the final version. That, yeah. Okay, that was the most... Okay, that's the one... That's the, the one of the most amazing cuts of all time. Like, <laughs> in, in that... It's not in there. No, it did not make it in a broadcast. It's on the DVDs in the in the. Is it in scenes, color? But uh, it is in color. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. A lot of brown. This one. This is incredible. In this scene, so you see all those different houses. One of them was a house completely made by squirrels holding hands. <laughs> okay. And one 
poor guy at the at the animation studio had to draw that from scratch. And you know, it must have been like five thousand squirrels, all individually drawn, all holding hands to make this roughly the shape of the Simpsons house. And then they cut it. Uh, they cut it. Uh, they cut it. That's so I. Well, I mean, it would have been. Maybe it screen. didn't. Maybe it wasn't clear. Was it clear when it's, you see it? It doesn't it read super well on an SDTV. I think in the HD era, you could make the House of Squirrels. Now it's now it could be a reality, but in 1995. Yeah, it's possible it didn't read. Yeah. We had that, that. This was definitely during the time when David Silverman, who was running the animation, would call us up in the writers' room and say, "Please don't make us do this." <laughs> and there was a there was an there was an I think it was in Burns's air where we had written this scene, and it was a whole page with no dialogue. It was just all stage directions, and it was a train. It was a multiple train derailments and Bart was Bart was driving a car around a mountain going down the mountains and the switchbacks and each time he hit a train and that would have been like and, and Silverman just called up and said please don't make us do this and it finally ended up just being this scene where like he was just seeing a lot of stop signs yeah. and stuff anyway there you go wow man, I, I think about the labor that goes into that kind of uh, stuff you know I feel so bad I yeah I apparently Apparently that guy used it as like his Christmas cards that year. Yeah, like, I've got seen so it several years. times since. That's why I thought it was in the show because it became kind of a thing that we would have up on the wall. <laughs> yeah, I I also I cut out from this year, but there is a King Kodos scene. They laugh and then turn into uh, Peabody and Sherman. Was it like weren't there a few times where King Kodos like were almost not in the episode and then they like get cut in? We late? always had to force them in because it was a tradition. <laughs> yeah. mm. Like uh, did. Were they like late editions? Like you had to uh, do them in the retakes, or usually? In no, the... I mean I think we were aware even in the script stage that it was required that they be forced in in some way. And a lot of times we'd have to go through and, and uh, find the least obtrusive way. Like in the in the episode of the the Attack of the Giant Eyesores, Fifty Foot Eyesores, when it's a giant rolling donut and they're standing there, it's so it's so forced in, but we had to do it. Earth Capital was funny. I yeah, that I, mean, I mean, I think we did an admirable job, but <laughs> otherwise we would have cut it out because it was pointless. <laughs> uh, but man, Homer is just smashing everything inside and screaming. I mean, it's not it's not a subtle joke, but I love it so <laughs> it's much. It's sheer frustration. He's killing everything. <laughs> like, uh, but uh, but what will all his changes do? <laughs> Morning, dear. What's my name? What color is the sky? What of donuts? What? For the love of God, tell me! Homer, the sky is blue. Donuts are plentiful. Friday is TGIF night on ABC. What's gotten into you? Nothing. Nothing at all. Let's just eat. Eh, close enough. <laughs> Yeah, the existence of TGF is a good baseline for reality. Yeah. <laughs> and we're now we're without it. Nothing makes sense anymore. Actually, I, I saw a viral ad that on Twitter that said that TGIF is back as a... It's a branded night. I mean, look, it's not the same. but uh, <laughs> You can watch Speechless on there and like three other shows. I don't know. I, whatever. I, uh, it's, it's nice of them to optionally put out the silverware in case you don't want to use your tongue, your reptile tongue to eat. I mean, hey, maybe they like having options. You don't always eat with your reptiles. There's some etiquette to this tongue world. <laughs> Apparently, everything is the same except people eat with tongues. That's pretty. That's pretty great. Uh, all right, so now we're on to your one of your seasons, Bill. Uh, you, this is Homer Cubed. We're gonna do it. So just like preface, I had heard you. This was a big one for you. Get, getting this one, uh, getting this treehouse segment, right? 
Yes, I mean, this was, a, at the time, the, you know, there's a lot about this I didn't actually remember until this, art, like, if anybody cares, uh, Entertainment Weekly did a gigantic article about this, uh, this, and it came out yesterday, and it's like, it's on their, only on their site, but it's like an 8,000-word article that is, a, comprehensively goes through the, everything, many things I had completely forgotten, the, uh, and all the details, but yes, at the time, this was incredibly, uh, it was revolutionary. This was before Toy Story, and it, I forgot that too. Like it was a month or two before Toy Story had come out, so people hadn't seen this kind of thing. Which really, like, you have at the time, uh, you, you have to put yourself in someone watch in the mindset of someone watching this in 1996 who had never seen any computer animation of this caliber, and it was a, it was a remarkable achievement. Uh, I like to blow my own horn about this. But that, that, it was uh, it, it, it was a, we didn't know that it could be done. I think at the time it was the train coming at the screen of 1996. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we all just ran away from our TVs. We thought Homer was real. <laughs> <laughs> no, when uh, when we first saw as kids, me and Bob, when we saw the commercials for this, it blew our minds that this could even exist. Like I could it it. If nothing had been more mind blowing to me than The Simpsons and seeing that footage of him saying "Holy macaroni" in the commercials. <laughs> this was, I mean, what's the first clip that you're going to show for this? It is just 2D animation. Okay, but I, I'm curious. Like, did you and Josh were you into 3D animation? There were existing no, 3D was, animation things, but nothing no, as we, this we ambitious. We weren't aware that this could be done hmm. at the time. It was all just a parody. Again, we had that book, The Twilight Zone Companion, in the writers' room, and this. Uh, I'm proud to say it was actually my, my idea. It was this episode, the, the Little Girl Lost of Twilight Zone. If you've ever seen that one, it's where a little girl goes through some sort of portal in her wall into the fourth dimension. And the fourth dimension is just a bunch of clouds and, and, and like mist or whatever, but she's lost and they can't find her because she's not in this dimension. And when I saw that uh, as a kid, I was like, whoa, it totally blew my mind, the concept of the fourth dimension. Anyway, my very simple uh, parody of that was like, well, what if the Simpsons are in the second dimension? And they go into the third dimension. Mm. And then we had, at the time, uh, initially the very first idea was let's do all sorts of animation. And they're going to do, we're going to do paper cutouts like South Park and we're going to do um, claymation and stuff. But then it wasn't as thematically pure as just having second dimension, third dimension. Like the animation styles got cut pretty soon. And I remember the first day we talked about this, the anim nobody knew that it could be done. And we had an animator around for something else and he was like, yeah, we could do it on our home computers. Or whatever, and it actually turns out this cost several million dollars of high-end computer time from PDI. So it couldn't have been done on people's home computers or even close. But um, that was basically the, that's the conceptual theory of it. Is basically it's a straight parody of Little Girl Lost Twilight Zone episode, um, just knocking the dimensions each down by one. So this had a much bigger budget than a normal Treehouse of Horror. Uh, well, it, they paid for it. Like this mm. is another thing that was covered in the article that I'd completely forgotten. What happened was we went to this company called Pacific Data Images that had been had done a few small things prior to then, but really had had didn't hadn't made a name for itself. And they were eager to do this for. They, oh, they were doing the Pillsbury Doughboy commercials, and they were eager to make a name for themselves. So they agreed to do this for free. And apparently wow. it cost them, it, it must have allegedly, according to the article, cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars <laughs> in computer time. But it paid off because they got bought by DreamWorks and then did Shrek. It's true, so, yeah. So it, it, it worked out. So Just, that... Yeah. Is, you know, it's a good lesson to, about maybe doing some spec work. Sometimes it does. <laughs> and just think of Homer as Yellow Shrek in this episode. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah, they uh, Pacific Data Images, they were bought by DreamWorks. They made Anson Shrek and a lot of other stuff. And uh, thanks to some poor decisions by the studio, they were shuttered in 2015. I think their last movie was uh, Peabody and Sherman, the, oh, the CGI version yeah. of that. So they made it at a time when awareness of that property was at an all-time low. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. 
Uh, they got it from Jay Ward Studio. They may as well give it a shot, right? Uh, well, how much... How did this have more lead time than a normal Simpsons scene or no? No, but it couldn't be rewritten because that was the thing. Like, as I'm sure anybody who's a Simpsons fan knows, these all go through multiple rewrites because we have many opportunities at the storyboard, at the animatic, at the color screening. There's many opportunities for a large scale rewrite. In this case, there was not because you can't, that they couldn't change the animation. So we had to, Dave Cohen turned into a brilliant script, barely needed any rewriting anyway. But we had to make sure that everything was set in stone before they began animating, which was rare for us. Yeah, it's written by David X. Cohen, Futurama co-creator. Is that his official credit for Futurama? Or I developer? Guess developed developer. By, every match screening show is created by Matt Grant, <laughs> developed by the other person. And that's why there are just math equations in the background, and if you have six <laughs> yeah. figures of student loan debt, you will understand them. This, <laughs> I won't pretend I know. David, David Cohen is a longtime friend of mine and is a genius who has, has a... Uh, a degree in physics from Harvard and also a um, degree in computer science from Berkeley and he put all this stuff in there just check out the Entertainment Weekly article because he explains it all in detail and many of these like all the equations and things you see in the background have incredible meaning to people who are who are filled with this knowledge like there's a there's a, a, a stab at Fermat's last theorem and there's all sorts of other things that us civilians didn't get but he put them in there and 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 apparently a huge number of like smart guys and nerds love them <laughs> I think in our two o'clock show, Henry, you're positing that this in this segment, every character has like a Futurama corollary. Uh, yeah, I just feel, yeah, you can see a little of the spirit of Futurama in here, I'd say. Like, well, I mean, like, Frank is Farnsworth. Almost, most times when I see Frank in Cohen written episodes, I'm like, that feels like a Farnsworth joke. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely <laughs> and, uh, possible. And uh, I'd say, yeah, Bender is Homer. Fry is Bart, Leela is Marge, and I think Wiggum. I'd say Wiggum is Zoid. And Flanders is Scruffy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he is Scruffy. He is Scruffy. He just shows up with a ladder. <laughs> uh, but here, why don't we get to the first scene of uh, Homer Cubed? Homer! Get ready! Patty and Shelma will be here any minute! Oh, oh no. Better ride this one out in the closet. <laughs> Sorry, Dad, this is our spot. Oh, yeah? Well, it's my house, so it's my spot. Nuh-uh, because we called it. Did not. Well, we're calling it now. You are? Braid soap. <laughs> oh, they got me with their legal mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> Just a second! Huh? I never looked behind this whatchamacallit case before. <laughs> huh? That's weird. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. I like to think that Santa's Little Helper and Snowball 2 are experiencing their own Twilighty Zone yeah. episode. Yeah. We're just not seeing it. Right. They're, they're, they're flat under there. <laughs> Dogs are hard to animate. <laughs> uh, well, have your, have your kids ever played any legal mumbo-jumbo with you now about stuff like that? It's not quite as witty as that professionally written mumbo jumbo, but they definitely they definitely do it all the time. Yes, uh, I. It was great to see Patty and Selma here doing gross things. Like this yeah, felt like a real throwback it, it, too. It, yeah, it is a real throwback to the era of, of Sam Simon. That like he really didn't like. Patty and Selma. Like, Patty and Selma were written to be set. Uh, how much can I say about it? He's dead now. Sam was a great. Sam, genius. Created so much of The Simpsons you wouldn't believe it. Okay? Had a bad relationship with his, with his sister in law. This is all oh. I can say. Who, upon whom these were based. And so oh, no. you often see a lot of Sam in the, the second season and first. 
when you see Patty and Selma, you know that it was written with real vitriol. <laughs> like someone who really cared about, who about, about slamming Patty and Selma. So <laughs> while we were trying to rekindle that feeling in this. 20 years later, though, they kind of rule. They're kind of awesome, <laughs> Patty and Selma. I like how free they are and they don't care. But uh, I, not even how disgusting they look when they're sucking uh, dead yeah, that, that, crabs. That, 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 uh, uh, crabs out of the shells from Sulphur Bay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take my chances in a mystery wall. Now this was a... This is one of the like the money one of every shot and this is a money shot. Yeah. But this is a this was a shot where I remember being there and we actually got to travel up to PDI in Silicon Valley. And this was a really hard because like it required two types of animation to be happening simultaneously um, from two different studios and also it was conceptually unclear what it was really hard to describe. And I remember sitting there going with them, like, just imagine there's a, I don't know, there's a, a plexiglass panel upon one side or a shower curtain on one side is the second dimension normally animated and this other side, the third dimension. And it took, it took hours to get people to figure it out. And then mm. and finally when they did it, like, well, like well, that, there we go. I mean, like, this is the shot where it's like, this is the mind-blowing shot in my opinion. Yeah, I think you needed this to sell the idea. If Homer had just appeared in 3D, I, you really need the transition from 2D to 3D. Yeah, if you just start in 3D, it's not as impressive, that's for sure. Yeah, no, though, I mean, it's... It's quite impressive. So it was uh, Dave Silverman worked pretty closely with the PDI folks on this. Yeah, and I think it was I think it was either Bob or Mike Anderson who directed the episode as well. Um, forgive me for forgetting which Anderson it was, but um, it's covered in the article. And Tim Johnson who supervised it for PDI. Oh, glory of glories! Oh, heavenly testament to the eternal majesty of God's creation. Holy macaroni! Hey, you can just suck them out. Hello? Can anybody hear me? Homer, where are you? So that's Uh, the... I'm somewhere... The processing on that is the same processing that's in Poltergeist. If you Ah. remember, I believe that they... When when the little girl is in the other dimension is speaking through the roof, I believe it was the same exact sort of processing. Okay. That was intentional. I don't know where I am. Do you see towels? If you see towels, you're probably in the linen closet again. (laughs) Just a second. No, it's a place I've never been before. (gasps) The shower. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) So we did this episode for the podcast not too long ago, and one of the commenters pointed out the the music is a lot uh, very reminiscent of Mist, the game Mist. Did you have Mist on the brain? Mist is only actually in that one shot. It oh. is not, it's not intended. It is supposed to be a, just a general type of um, fantasy music. The, ol- the only specific mist uh, music is in that shot where okay. the mist temple appears. Interesting. Okay. I I also I I love that it's going between high, you know this high end three D animation of Homer, and then you go to <laughs> Patty and Selma doing like kind of like Archie Bunker style yeah. sitcom <laughs> gags on Homer. <laughs> It's yeah. also because we could only have, like, they gave us, what, a total of maybe two and a half minutes so we had to, of, of computer animation, so we had to fill up the rest of it with regular animation. Yeah, Patty sucking the thing out of the shell oh. is on par with the 3D animation, in my opinion. <laughs> it's very well done. Just all the dead sand crabs yeah. on her face. Just, oh, so hideous. <laughs> I also like that it's a great gag they do on Homer, and then it's even better that Homer reacts as a normal person. We're like, hey! <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
you, Marge. But I seem to be trapped in here. Mm. We better call Ned. He has a ladder. What's going on here? I'm so bulgy. My stomach sticks way out in front and my... <laughs> well, as a tree said to the lumberjack, I'm stumped. It's like he just disappeared into fat air. <laughs> hey, shut up! Okay. Unprocessed fish sticks. And this, like, I wouldn't really say that these are award-winning jokes here, but they were really put in to show off computer animation. Like, this is, as you'll see, if you read the article, you'll find out, like, as the animators suggested this because they already had, like, an idea. They already had animated water. <laughs> they already had, like, a few ways to do this that didn't require, a, you know, another $100,000 worth of work on their behalf. So um, that's why... That's why we have this area. Man, this place looks expensive. I feel like I'm wasting a fortune just standing here. Better make the most of it. Uh. Ow! Watch it, Coney! Yeah! Oops. Yeah, Bill's right. In 1995, you didn't get water or reflections in your reboots, in your uh, Beyond the Mind's Eye VHS collections. Most, I mean, PDI, they specialize in character animation. That's why they uh, sort of wanted to do this. And before this, a lot of, the, even the Pixar shorts were like, what if a unicycle danced around? Or what if these shapes like, moved around? Or Teen Soldier, too. Yeah. Like, just not, not living things. And especially, I... I don't, uh, I don't envy their challenge of having to animate in 3D a character as famous as Homer Simpson that everybody knows what it's supposed to look like and they have to kind of imitate that. Well, they had the benefit of the, all the action figures and the plastic dolls, which mm. that place was loaded with uh, at the time because they didn't... Like, how, are you, how does Bart's head look from the top? Yeah. You know, things like that <laughs> are weird. And they fortunately, they did have the dolls to, uh, you know, as models, which they were scanning and stuff into the system. Mm. No, those dolls are dangerous. They were, yeah. <laughs> the Homer's the only non-dangerous Simpsons doll. Yeah. Lisa or Bart will fuck up your uh, younger siblings. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess... I mean, that gag, now, the, I, I guess it doesn't look expensive, but it, I still love the, the joke that Homer's wasting money just by scratching his <laughs> oh, ass. He, he, he was. <laughs> so, that was the joke. So. Not your money. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like... Uh, did anyone see the movie Tron? No. 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 Yes. I mean, I mean no. No. I just love so that. yeah, we want to check in. What was the feeling about Tron in the writers' room in 1995? I don't think we really had anything against it. Hmm. You no. Know? And the thing is that that's just it was such a it was such a enjoyable slam. <laughs> it was. <laughs> It wasn't even really that merited because Tron, I think we'd all kind of liked it when we were teenagers. But that was just like, you know, it, it was like Tron. The whole thing was based on Tron and Battlezone. Okay, the yeah. Game, you know, the whole interior of the dimension. Because when I, so when Gen Xers started writing for the internet in the early 2000s, uh, and before that, they were celebrating Tron. And I was like, well, I was told Tron was bad. The, the Simpsons are right about everything. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. to think. 
And then nobody cared about Tron Legacy, and we've all moved on, I think. Right? Yeah, it's back to nobody's heard of Tron again. But the, <laughs> all those no's in a row, and Wiggum's three no's, is uh, anytime I'm with a group of people and we ask, like, does anybody remember this? And if one person says no, then the other two people have to immediately say no afterwards. Just no, no, no. No. Do you have? Are you going to play the clip of, of Frank at the at the chalkboard? Oh yes. Oh, we have it. Okay. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> Here is an ordinary square. Whoa, whoa! Slow down, Egghead. <laughs> oh, I was losing it. <laughs> It is, I think it is the best joke of the segment. Or maybe the decade. No, I feel weird on this pause here because Ned's eye is all is a little off there. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're all supposed to be look. Some of them are looking. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. They're still thinking about Tron. <laughs> We extend the square beyond the two dimensions of our universe along the hypothetical z-axis there. <gasps> this forms a three-dimensional object known as a cube or a frinkahedron in honor of its discoverer. <laughs> hey, hey. Help me! Are you helping me or are you going on and on? Oh, right, and of course, within we find the uh, doomed individual. <laughs> Enough of your borax, Poindexter. Man's life is at stake. We need action. Such a lousy dimension! Oh, oh. Oh, there's so much I don't know about astrophysics. <laughs> I wish I read that book by that wheelchair guy. Bill was pointing it out, but I, I, also, I really love Fringe not even, sorry, Frink not even flinching when the Nobody's gun is being fired. Yeah, just whoop, whoop, flying back, <laughs> yeah. That's a really great touch. And just the bullets disappearing into the wall looks great. This, this is one of, in that episode, Wiggum shoots his gun indiscriminately twice. Per, earlier, he had shot that, uh, the mm-hmm. captain of the high school basketball. <laughs> he, yeah. was, he, was t- he was turning into a monster. He was, he was turning into a monster. Uh, the, yeah, just the Frinks. Frinks non being nonplussed by Wiggum makes the gunshots get better. <laughs> it's rare that they come into contact with each other, and I think it yeah. would, it's a funny pairing. <laughs> that should happen more often. Yeah, I, I'm going to pitch that now. <laughs> uh, the, the Frink and Wiggum episode. Uh, so the bullets flying in too was that like or was that a request from PDI to have like some action in there, or was was that your guy? No, I think that was pretty much uh, just scripted, and I don't think it was they. Why would they complain? It's very easy to animate. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, the stretching on Homer's face there is wild. Yeah, like yeah, that was totally. crazy. <laughs> at, right after talking about a, the wheelchair guy, which is a pretty <laughs> yeah. funny thing to refer to Stephen Hawking, <laughs> the late Stephen Hawking. But so, oh yeah, yeah. This this was the scene that really blew my mind as a kid because, like me and Bob, we talked about this before. We thought we'd see Homer. We did not think we'd see Bart when we first saw this as kids. That does it. I'm going in. Bart, no! Cool, man. 
stuck into oblivion. There's going to be nothing. And what's going to be coming out on the other side? I don't know. I'll save you, Dad. I can't get any closer. You'll have to jump. He's the king, son. So was Bart always written as being in the third dimension too? Were you worried if that was possible? There were actually going to be other characters, and this is one of those things that's covered in that article. Flanders was going to come in briefly, and I think Marge even briefly was supposed to come in, but it was just like they were like, it was way too complicated and expensive, <laughs> and, and they were terrorized at the idea of having to do a CGI version of Flanders' mustache, apparently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about that, but yeah. They, and, and so if there was like, we can do one character max, and that was why it finally got con- cut down to just Bart. Like, as I said, this was a thing where we had to, there was no rewriting. We had to get everything, all the ducks in a row before we even began. And so like Flanders and Marge were just cut out like right, right at the get-go. I think, Henry, you pointed out in the last uh, show that Bart and Homer are never on the screen at the same time. They, I mean, rarely. Can, yeah, it, you can see Homer power. in the background with Bart there, but I would, I would figure that the two, having two characters animate with each other at the same time, that sounds like it, more than twice the work for PDI. I think it was actually just because of the architecture of the universe. Like there was no way for Bart to get near Homer. His entrance point was across the, the vortex. So I think that was actually, I don't think that was a, a financial decision. I think it was a creative. Okay. I, I also just love Homer. Homer really doesn't even try to jump. He takes a large step. <laughs> he really just gravity dives sucked in. sucked him down. Like, I think that's the thing. It was kind of, I think it was definitely inspired by the whole skateboard canyon jump from Bart the Daredevil. Oh, cool. And that was why we wanted to do it. And in this case, it was like he jumped, but the, you know, the gravity sucked him down immediately. And then I also recall that was not what we wanted for when he exploded. I think we really wanted him, we wanted some sort of incredibly dynamic effect that they just couldn't do. So they were like, well, how about if we break his, the, the models of his face <laughs> pieces individually and we were like, okay, we didn't love it. That shows you. That shows you how to make your own Homer at home if you've got a supercomputer. Yeah. In 1995. <laughs> uh, well, I'm right before that scene. I, I didn't get the clip for it, but the I love Abe and Jasper coming in in the old timey diving suit. That really feels yeah. like a Bill and Josh uh, trademark. You thing. got it. Old timey. <laughs> it's too futuristic. We need some old timey jokes. <laughs> uh, but so Homer, Homer goes to the worst place yet. This is the worst place yet. Oh, oh my God! Look at that! Oh my God! Oh. Yeah, you can't see the safety cones right there. Oh yeah! I didn't see. Erotic cakes. on your credit there. Yeah, you know, we're living in an era where bakers are too picky about what kind of cakes they can bake. <laughs> I think we need more erotic cake stores. And You know, Bill, I've only seen them in comedy shows. I've never actually seen a real-life erotic cake store. Are they all on Etsy now or something? What's going on? i never seen one either. This was a, uh, this was a photography studio, and we paid them, uh, uh, we paid them to, to take their sign out of the window and let us put that neon one in there for the day. <laughs> Um, this was a. This was also a giant. This was an operation. Like we didn't think this was possible either. And it initially the idea was to have 
a costume, like an amusement park style costume that, that Dan Castellaneta would wear. <laughs> Assume, assuming he'd been willing to do it. And then he walked down the street, but it like, we were like, that's going to look phony. I don't know how, but that was what it was supposed to be. And then the guys at Pacific Data Images said, well, we could probably put him into, into the real world. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, that had ne- we certainly never seen anything like that. And they were confident they could do it. So, so we did it. And I think it came out great. The whole segment was directed by David Merkin, who had a lot of live action directing experience. And we shut off, like only, a, again, this is covered in that thing in great detail. We were only able to shut off one lane of traffic and it wasn't enough. And the actors were looking in the, the problem. The biggest problem was that is that the, act, the people walking on the street didn't know where to look because there was nobody there. So, so finally, there was, first of all, there were, first there was a truck driving by with somebody having a sign and they would have to look at that. Then finally, they, that wasn't working. Somebody had to get like a giant fishing pole with a ping pong ball dangling from it and say, this is Homer. And they held it as they went down the street and then people would look at the ping pong ball. That's how they made all the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, Bob, you have the address? That yes, uh, if you go on Google Maps, don't do it now. It's at uh, 13567 Ventura Boulevard in Sherman Oaks, California. So it's now, as of the, my last Google Maps uh, search, it's now a uh, coffee roaster cafe. Very nice. And we need to go there in uh, beautiful Sherman Oaks. Homer has got some Sherman Oaks opinions. <laughs> Doesn't look that good in this. I've never been. I, I'm really, I really appreciate like the, the reflection. You even see Homer in the reflection in the window, which like... In 1996, I would forgive if they didn't animate the reflection. I'd be like, ah, that's, yeah. that's too advanced now, for them. Did, I would like to see a show of hands. Who found this ending to be hilarious and who found it to be confusing? Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. All right, that's confusing. Oh, my God. Uh, not really that many confusings. Okay, because we were like, I think people, we didn't know what people were going to think because it's like, erotic cakes, what's, it's a mixed message, you know? <laughs> It's a weird place to leave you at a Halloween Exactly, episode. because it's, kind of, it's not like a big laugh. It's real subtle, and, <laughs> and it's also like, what happened to Homer? Like, he's going to be in a cake? St- it, doesn't, it just leaves you hanging in a lot of ways, but I'm so glad to hear that at least this audience was not confused by it. I like to imagine that in some universe, Homer, a giant CG Homer is working in an erotic cake store. <laughs> <laughs> Or he, he just won't leave. Yeah. <laughs> and also, there's a great crane shot after this, and I, I would assume Fox would only pay for a crane shot if Melrose Place exploded. Again, it was a big issue and, uh, that, that Merkin was fighting for a crane, and they wouldn't give him anything, and it was, it was complicated. He had a jib, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's a great pullout. And also, that was the funny thing was, Another funny thing was we had to spend a lot of time working with the baker and the prop master to get cakes that were erotic but could still appear on TV at 8 p.m. <laughs> so you look, if you look carefully, you see there's kind of a butt, but it might have like a bikini over it. I remember this was like a sensor issue for, for quite a while. <laughs> wow, they actually baked erotic. I wonder what happened to those erotic cakes. It might have been styrofoam that. covered with frosting oh. or something like that. <laughs> uh, but it was... Uh, it was cool you could get Merkin to do it and keep it like kind of in the family at least for the Simpsons. Oh poster. yeah, he was a great director. I mean, he directed all those episodes of Get a Life and stuff and that, and was really great at that. No, Romy and Michelle's yeah. High School Reunion was one of my favorite movies. Like, Very funny. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, any, any last thoughts on Homer Cube do you want to share? No, I think we covered it. <laughs> read the article. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I wish I'd read that article. Or if there's time, we'll read it to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so up next is uh, Citizen Kang. Absolutely yes. not topical in any way. Look. <laughs> <Nope. laughs> well, see, so yeah, how did how did Citizen Kang come about in in the room? And you guys were cutting it close in terms of production and you know referencing real life right, events. Right. Right. This was a weird one for us because 
it was, I don't recall that this was based on any specific, we weren't parodying, we were playing like They Live, maybe? Hmm. Was it They Live with Roddy Roddy Pepper? It's, I think oh, we, yeah, it's there a bit They Live. There is a little bit of that, but there's a number of other things. I don't remember what the genesis of this was, but I do remember it was a lengthy debate because we had never done anything so ti- so stuck in time. Like, like there was always a, there was a joke about George Bush, and there was a you know a, there was a, a, Bill, a Bill Clinton type of thing, but like we brushed by them. Like we never done something that was so set in time. Like this is going to be this became dated only two weeks, extremely dated two weeks after it aired. But we thought it was so funny that we didn't. Didn't care, and that was I think the the go for it kind of thing was like let's just do it, let's just do it, and and the, the weird thing about this is that it hasn't really become all that dated, like it's it's still like I mean I think our our political discourse has changed somewhat in the past two years. <laughs> However, from 1996 for the next 20 years, this was pretty much how every election went. It was all the same old bullshit, which which <laughs> this I think skewered quite well. And I was only 14 when this came out, so all of my knowledge came from SNL. I'm just curious how how much did you know a bolt uh, sorry Dole would be a lock for well, he the was nomination. already a lock at this point wasn't he by the writing I, I assume you wrote this in like early 96 or maybe before like, that I don't think there was yeah. any choice I, I don't think there was any guess that it wasn't wasn't going to be Dole at that point the I, I don't remember ever thinking about that no one wanted to write for Pat Buchanan <laughs> <laughs> And uh, also, like, this is another David X. Cohen one. Uh, was it a big deal to get, like, this was the first Kang and Kodos-centric one since Monkey's Paw in the in the third season. I think we were happy because it didn't require some phony way to cram them in like we had to do the previous year. This year we were like, oh, my God, it's a, it's a really organic Kang and Kodos story that's also, like, it, it practically writes itself, or David Cohen can write it for us. <laughs> but, but it, like... It didn't have, I think it felt very natural from the get-go, and the only issue was like, do we really want to do something that's going to be so dated so fast? And then we were like, yeah, why not? And you worked in the great Phil Hartman as Bill Clinton, too. Yes, that was a treat. It was always such a treat to work with him. And like, he did Bill Clinton on SNL, as, as you probably know, and it was always really fun to go record him and have him have him do it for us. Were there any thoughts to get anyone for Dole, or did you just you know, go to Harry for that if he had a good impression? I feel like Harry already had it in the bag. Like this wasn't like when we did the one with um when we did the one with George Bush moving in next door. Like um, at the end, actually, it was supposed to be Nixon, by the way, instead of Ford, because Nixon was still alive. Right. When we wrote that, and it was gonna be, we were like, oh my god, maybe we can get Nixon, and he died halfway through <laughs> it. And then we were like, Ford, okay, well, it's Ford seems he like he looks like Homer. He seems like he kind of, he kind of like that. And so we had people audition for it, and then we found that Dan Castellaneta already did a great Ford. Oh great. In this case, I'm pretty sure that we had Harry do Bob Dole at the table, and he nailed it. And, and we were like, why bother to go anywhere else? It's a great Dole. <laughs> All right, let's get in the opening here. Ah, the old fishing hole. So peaceful and relaxing. Doesn't even matter if I catch a single fish. <sighs> come on, you stupid fish! Take the bait! <laughs> Don't make me come down there! And we use that. <laughs> we use that because there'd already been at least two tractor beam jokes in the uh, previous. You know, when they kidnapped him in the first thing, there was already the tractor beam, and he was so fat that they had to turn on the second tractor beam. Remember that one? In this, we were like, okay, we got to come up with something. And then the Iron Claw did it, and we did that same joke. We did a realistic joke about how stuff always falls out of the Iron Claw. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh my god. Space aliens. Don't eat me! I have a wife and kids! Eat them! Silence! <laughs> we are travelers from a certain nearby ringed planet whose name we'd prefer not to mention. My name is Kang. And this is my sister, Kodos. Hello. <laughs> I suppose you want to probe me. Well, might as well get it over with. Stop. <laughs> we have reached the limits of what rectal probing can teach us. I, really, I also wonder whether this is a dated joke. Like, at the time, there was all sorts of space alien... Every space alien story was always involved them probing somebody rectally. You right. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm oh, not yeah. making this up. No, no. <laughs> I mean, people said it happened. Well, but, after uh, that Christopher Walken movie, I felt like it was just a joke in every every comedy, at least American comedy. Yeah. Like, Kids in the Hall did a really good sketch on it, but it was like... I felt like it was in every... By 96, I'd seen that joke a million okay, good. times. Yeah. Again, I was concerned that people wouldn't know what the hell we were talking about, but it was supposed to be, yeah, that it had already, already become a cliche at this point that aliens, that's what they want. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and then, too, they kind of, you do a Uranus joke, but go around it by yeah. not saying, which I, again, dodging the obvious joke. That's what I, I loved about Simpsons. And still, uh, but the... And I love just the revulsion. These these alien creatures that shouldn't be more disgusted by Homer's ass than any other ass. <laughs> like they are so revolted by it. He does not get stripped naked and tubed, though. So yeah, yeah, they can't stand that. Oh, they'd lose it. But uh, uh, but yeah. So Homer Homer explains to them uh, that about the election that's about to happen in nine whole days after this episode airs. There's this election next week, so after that, it might not be him anymore. It might be, what's his name, uh, Mumbly Joe. Uh, <laughs> I saw him on TV the other... Uh, Bob Dole! Hmm, an election. That complicates matters. Set grid coordinates for Bob Dole. Well, <laughs> night, everybody. Night, Senator. Night, Senator. Good luck next week. <laughs> what? Uh, Bob Dole doesn't need this. <laughs> What's happening? Is it noon already? <laughs> and see, Bill Clinton wasn't really known as being lazy, but at that point, this was before we knew he was so lecherous, I guess. So we didn't, we didn't. There weren't really very many comic handles by which to make fun of him. So we had to say that he was asleep until noon. <laughs> uh, I, I like that they stealthily rip the president out of the White House, yeah. and the world doesn't know. They didn't care. They really didn't uh, care. I just love that. I do. You laughed out of there. I love that aside of like, good luck in the election. Yeah, good luck next week. This <laughs> is the guy from the Hornets. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is something too that I that really gets me about this episode. I feel like you could certainly. I think you couldn't have done it in the last ten years on The Simpsons of like, you strip naked the two presidential candidates and then later kill them. And, <laughs> and I feel like on a network sitcom, like even South Park might have trouble. Like doing this without a ton of controversy. Now I feel like Simpsons couldn't do this. I feel like we did it good naturedly, you oh, know? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> they weren't. It, it, I think if South Park did it, it might have a little bit more edge. This was like, it was an accident. They, they died by. I mean, <laughs> you'll see. I don't want to spoil it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the hell is this? Some kind of tube? <laughs> hey. Well, thanks for taking care of Dole for me. Hey! <laughs> so this episode, I it's guess... Funny, it's I'm so glad to hear people laughing at Bob Dole jokes. Here, 
like, it's really like who is Bob Dole is dead, right? He's still alive. Oh, he is. Okay, sorry. Um, sorry. I mean, technically, anybody would laugh at the jokes. And, you know, it's imagine imagine people in 1990 laughing at like McGovern jokes. It's, I mean, it's shocking. But he like, could I, be. I, I love it because it really does sound like him, and he yeah. it's grumpy. It's just kind of thing he would say. Bob Dole doesn't need this. You know, Bob, <laughs> he is just the grumpy grandpa. Yeah. But I mean, both sides kind of get it in this episode. Were personal politics involved at all? Like, did anyone disagree no. about who should do no. jokes about who? Nope. I think. We, I mean, I think it was bipartisan. In, well, in this. I mean, you. The 1996 election, as I recall, felt it really did feel like a coin flip. More one of the least partisan elections yeah, of the definitely. time. I mean, there's a joke coming later, but yeah, yeah. right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and. Also, yeah, his statement like was it some kind of tube of <laughs> possible things to say. He kn- he's a man who knows his tubes. <laughs> he was in the war, Henry. Uh, well, and also, I, I believe on the commentary, Cohen uh, made a really funny point that if the if the aliens waited nine days, they wouldn't have to do any of this, and they could have just replaced the one president. They really don't need to do any of the election stuff. You're no right. There's no reason mm. actually to do it. They have fun though. They're having fun. That's what I love. Yeah, it's, it makes it even more ridiculous. The the animation on their transformation of like the two one giant eye becoming two smaller yeah. eyes looks so great, and uh, I guess so. I guess plot wise, they had to strip them naked so they could steal their clothes. I suppose. Right. Right. What? Are you still here? I'm afraid we'll have to dispose of you. No, no! What are you spraying me with? Rum! So no one will believe your story. (laughs) Don't come back. Cat Brockman here with Campaign 96. America flips a coin. At an appearance this morning, President Clinton made some rather cryptic remarks, which aides attributed to an overly tight necktie. I am Clinton. As overlord, all will kneel trembling before me and obey my brutal commands. End communication. That's like Willie for you, always with the smooth talk. March, march. There I was. I had just caught the largest fish you'd ever seen when I was abducted by a flying saucer. Sure you were, Rummy. <gasps> That's one of the creatures. Senator Dole, why should people vote His for eyeballs. you instead of <laughs> President Clinton? It makes no difference which one of us you vote for. Either way, your planet is doomed. Doomed! <laughs> well, a refreshingly frank response there from Senator Bob Dole. These candidates make me want to vomit in terror. I've got to stop them! So that Bart, oh sorry, that Bart's a sure thing rummy. When we do the podcast, we can, now we've seen these so many times, we can tell like, oh, that was a rewritten joke that was, you know, 80 yard later. Do you, when you watch these, do you remember the original line at all? Because we always want to know like, what was the original joke? I think that was the original joke. Why do you hmm. think that was ADR? The lip sync seems a little off. I don't know. I don't okay. recall there being another joke there. I wouldn't okay. expect you to remember, but it's fun to like just look at. So Joshua Weinstein, your your co showrunner, he often posts like old scripts and things yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. So you can actually see sometimes where the old lines used to be. It might have been because there was a trim. That, mm. That's the thing. Is like as as I said, all these came in very long. So we may Bart may have had an actual a stronger joke that had a second sentence and Got we it. cut it out for time. Okay. Uh, I, that. 
You know, sometimes you get to see other jokes. We we just did one. Uh, we watched the Springfield's Most Wanted clip <laughs> show, which that had like three or four original lines in it. They're like that seem like first like pre retake shots in there too. Do you you recall that the this is the one that aired before Who Shot Mr. Burns? Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. That was entirely done by a different. We didn't have anything to do with that. Like the Fox promo department did that whole episode. The names on it looked like a bunch of non union uh, yeah. names. I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the vomit and terror line is such a funny line. Yeah, this this episode has uh, vomit and terror and disappointed and terrified. <laughs> well, actually, you know, Bell. In general, what did you did you guys learn anything from doing your show running your first Treehouse to doing the season eight one? Were there any like changes you made in in working on uh, the one for season eight versus season seven one? I don't think so. Actually, they were all. I mean, both were pretty similar. Like. Um, I mean, we knew that. I don't think this one had a wraparound at all. That, I already oh, covered no. this matter, but I think that that was just like we're, you know, everything is going to be far longer than you expect it to be. So we're going to have to keep it short and cuttable. You know, that was, it's not a very interesting anecdote. <laughs> well, in this uh, shoot was it this one or seven that starts with a crusty throwing his head at the? I think that was. Kid. I think that was the previous one. Okay. Yeah, this one is the clip we started with uh, oh, the pumpkin yeah. one. Yeah. That crusty one, that had some other scenes in there that were cut too, right? Yeah, uh, a whole page of crazy scenes, yeah. yeah I think Patty and Selma were being burned at the stake. Yeah, like that. yeah, it was like a minute long, and then it just was, it was the first thing to get cut. <laughs> uh, but the, that uh, whatever you do, your planet is doomed. I mean, right now we just heard that at 2040, either no matter what we do. That phrase a- is the most trenchant <laughs> phrase ever heard on The Simpsons. It really, like, it, you can really use it almost every day in any context. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Homer was really ahead of himself, too. He's doing a Wakanda forever. Uh, sorry, Clinton was. Clinton was. <laughs> but uh, all these scenes, these stump speeches, it is because they have not changed so much in American politics that these jokes still work, including this next one here, which, uh, me and Bob double-check this, this is the first time the word abortion was said on The Simpsons. This was... A- I can't believe we got away with this. I, I really am... A, 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 anyway, go ahead. <laughs> 73-year-old candidate Bob Dole... <laughs> Abortions for all. Very well. No abortions for anyone. Hmm. Abortions for some. Miniature American flags for others. Fooling these earth voters is easier than expected. Yes, all they want to hear are bland pleasantries embellished by an occasional saxophone solo or infant kiss. Uh, Mr. President, sir, people are becoming a bit confused by the way you and your opponent are, well, constantly holding hands. We are merely exchanging long protein strings. If you can think of a simpler way, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> and they resume smiling. They really stumped George Stephanopoulos. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, that abortion joke was really... I, I, Especially the setting, that he's in front of a closed factory with his helmet on, letting people know he's going to open that factory again. Very, very realistic. It yes. is, it, I, and I think we, had, we probably wondered if we were going to get away with that abortions line in, and we did much to our surprise but it really sums it all I'm stating the obvious it sums it all up <laughs> flags versus abortions uh, that, and then also that George Stephanopoulos thing like that every time I see that I'm like how come George Stephanopoulos didn't at least write us a letter saying thank you for putting me on The Simpsons? Like, never once did we put someone on in a fairly flattering way like that and, and, and not receive some sort of 
gratitude. Be Lousy George Stephanopoulos. <laughs> that could have been his highest profile uh, TV appearance, even though it wasn't really him. That, I mean, it, I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying that like other people would send us little bottles of liquor or something to thank us for mentioning <laughs> like like you know with Shirley Jones and Marty Ingalls New Year's Eve party. Oh right, remember that? Mm-hmm. Marty Ingalls sent us a little box of assorted liqueurs. Oh He's wow! Like, Thanks for making it sound like my New Year's Eve party is great. And, I think, and, uh, and, and we were like, you're awesome. And then Paul Anka did it too and stuff. And like George Stephanopoulos, what makes you so much better than man. those two legends? <laughs> and now where is he? I don't know. Is he still hosting that I think morning? He still hosts. I think he is. Yeah, this week or whatever. Yeah, well, I see you know a what? clip. He's not appearing on The Simpsons, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's been 22 years. <laughs> I feel like every couple months I see a clip of him talking to Kelly and Conway about something. Yeah. I think he's still at it. I think it. he's the host of ABC News. <laughs> but, uh, man, just the, they, them holding hands is funny enough. And the, but the smiles, yeah. the smiles really makes it. They don't have to do that to exchange log protein strains. There's no reason to smile for it. Honestly, I think it's because the animators were like, this scene isn't funny enough. Let's make it visually funny at the end. I think that's like, and that's when you watch these things, you realize sometimes the joke, the written joke, is actually a little mild. So the animators spice it up. And they often do that at the one place where they really do that is in the couch gags. Like in the couch gags at the beginning, you'll sometimes notice, like, it wasn't obviously this part wasn't scripted, but the animators added the little zing, whatever it is, like the smile. That's the kicker that gets your laugh there. Otherwise, it would have been a very mild ending. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had ba- this. I think this is my favorite speech of all four of them here. My fellow Americans, as a young boy, I dreamed of being a baseball, but tonight I say we must move forward, not backward; upward, not forward. And always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. For those of you listening at home to this podcast, it may not have been clear that the entire audience was saying that along with Bill Clinton. (laughs) Twirling towards freedom, especially. Uh, It should be on a bumper sticker. It should be. A modern candidate should embrace twirling towards freedom. (laughs) Uh, It's just... Those are all the platitudes, but said all at the same time. And t- saying to go forward and then not forward. <laughs> if this was the time I caught here, actually, maybe I'll go back just a little bit. You can see that Lisa, like, she isn't reacting to it. Like, ah, now nah, I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, there. <laughs> Lisa, uh, Lisa was not reacting to it at all. It's crazy that she like that. Was there a cut joke there of Lisa going like, "That's why is he talking like that?" Or can I can I see it? I okay, wait, one more time. <laughs> it's because she's too smart for to fall for this crap, right? Isn't that the <laughs> forward, obvious answer? Not backward. Say it upward, again. Not forward. <laughs> and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. Where's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>! he? <laughs> wow! 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 So Marge is into it, Bart is into it, Maggie, no, no opinion. <laughs> but Lisa, not, not sold on it. And wait, Kirk and yeah, Luann. Well, now they, oh, right, yeah. they're, they're not divorced yet. In this shot. Okay, well, first of all, Lisa obviously is too smart to, everyone else is a, a boob. But there's, look, there's Apu, a way to poo. Apu is miscolored, right? That's, is that Sanjay or Apu who's colored wrong? Um, and that is that a really badly drawn Kirk? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's Kirk. Kirk, no, that's definitely Sanjay miscolored there next to Apu. This election caused the breakup. 
Yeah, I yeah. mean, the thing is, when you get to these crowd shots, you often find that things have, um, the quality control has slipped a little bit, but at least they got Lisa um, not reacting properly. Kirk had a long... What the hell was going on with Kirk in that shot, man? Uh, but Homer busts in and then basically starts talking like Alex Jones. And yeah. <laughs> I think this is the, the uh, they live moment. Yeah. This is when it's yeah. the most like they live. Though I think they live is unfortunately inspired a lot of Alex Jones just to be like, no, I'm right. Just like the guys in they live. Yeah, they yeah. were correct. My gun will prove that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> just just like for Roddy Piper and they live. It, that gun proved he was right. Now, actually, this, uh, this episode has... The second reference in your history on the show of Lyndon LaRouche, like, well, well why did he get, come up a couple times? Because he was an easy target, I guess. I mean, like, <laughs> at, the, at the time, I mean, he's faded from popular memory now, but at the time, he was like Alex Jones, right? It was exactly that same sort of stuff. And like, there often be people trying to give you pamphlets about, you know, crazy conspiracy theories uh, that came from Mr. LaRouche. I think Lyndon's top one at the time was that the. The Queen of England was secretly controlling everything with, with of course, Jewish bankers that had right. anti-Semitism had to right, come in right. there somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but also that's another joke like that is such a pre-9/11 joke where they say like, here's your stinking flag and throw it on the ground. Like, <laughs> yeah, here's your take your lousy flag with you. <laughs> you can you make joke. You never make jokes about the flag. Anymore. The flag wasn't small enough. <laughs> Hold on, guys. I'll help you. Am I still here? I don't want to serve up my term naked in a tube. I am so mad at the Secret Service right now. Hey, who the hell are you? I'm Homer Simpson, sir, and I'm going to get you back to Washington before it's too late. I just want to interrupt here. You'll notice that the t- the that piece of metal around the tube moves up and down depending on what side of the tube we're on. And here, it's just low enough to let you see their butt cracks. But when we get to the other side, it's moved up a couple inches to obscure their genitals. So that's just, it's just some nifty animation there. I do. So I want to ask Bill, as someone who works for TV still in this modern age, what are the butt rules? The butt rules have changed. This is now illegal. Oh my God. I, what? You can't show these butts. I mean, I think post, so post Janet Jackson, no. there have been new rules. So even in animated shows... I've I'm seen the butt crack blurred out, just the line blurred out. I have no idea. This what is you're true. This about. is true. I mean, I thought that the censors were were. Ex- I thought they were pretty strict in 1996, and I feel like they've only gotten less strict. But who knows? I mean, in you're talking about on broadcast TV. Broadcast TV, yeah. It could be that that's the way broadcast TV is going because they rely so much kind of like on the, you know, middle America uh, market these days that maybe they're getting more stringent. I don't know, but I mean, you see, maybe it's on dramas. I don't know. Mm, but this enchantment is full of butts. Is it? Um, not I'm just, as many butts. I can't remember, thing. but I want it to be now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I feel like this this enchantment. We have a pretty. We're not allowed to do anything the slightest bit dirty, but there's a lot of incredibly violent material. So that that's <laughs> what, the difference between disenchantment and this. I want to say you're always seeing Lucy's butt every time he's that's on the screen. He doesn't have his. Well, he doesn't wear clothes. Exactly. Like Donald, see, <laughs> Donald Duck. More butts per second. <laughs> Oh, God. We didn't... Man, this feels... Uh, you guys... You guys going to do a Halloween episode of Disenchantment in season two? I don't think so, because you know how Netflix works. The shows all come out, and, and everybody's really excited about them for two weeks, and then they move on to the next <laughs> thing, you know? It's like, th- there's no date. You, you can't tie anything to a specific date. What a two weeks it was. Yeah, it was <laughs> exciting. It was, a, it, was a great, it was great around the world. And I think it also tends to go in cycles around the world like I, I don't like it becomes popular 
overseas on a different week and stuff. It's it's. I have no idea how they do it. It's going to be complicated. <laughs> what what's uh, what's your favorite gag you wrote in Disenchantment? Uh, the first season, anyway, that we've seen. It wasn't the. It, it didn't go in the way I wrote it. It was the guy. Okay, it's the guy in the barrel. Oh, the water. I saw, okay. Yeah. I've it, seen the drawing for that. that. Yeah, it's the guy. We wanted to have Bean be scolded by someone who was really. Okay, the guy wrote. This was a okay. <laughs> Bean is on the way out of town after having been derided by everyone, and she's she's a loser. She can't do anything, whatever. And a guy in a barrel of his own urine has a sign on it that says, "Buy my urine, five cents a sip." It says, "Get out of here, you're bad for business." <laughs> But it was changed in the ultimate broadcast version. They didn't want to mention urine, so the broadcast, the, broad, the streaming version. So it was rewritten slightly. Anyway, that's my favorite joke. <laughs> Being in suspended animation gave me time to think. Partisan politics are tearing our country apart. You got a point there, Bill. If you and I are going to whoop these one-eyed space fellas, we're going to have to set aside our differences. Together, we can lead America into a new golden age. Friend, you got a deal. Homer, let us out. Time to tear those aliens a third corn shoot. I mean, just gave the Italian chef kiss to that. Like the way that that not only are they spiraling, but you can see as they suddenly die and become motionless, but still spiraling. It's really well directed because like. They're moving, but they're clearly dead at one point, and, and they're clearly they were alive at one point, and you can see it happen. It's just it's so well done. They're they're twirling towards freedom. <laughs> <laughs> and really, death is the ultimate freedom. <laughs> Walk away with that message. Uh, it it uh, it feels like kind of the two thousand one type of reference there too. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. But they both die at the same time, so there's no partisanship on the show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's but it's a bipartisan killing a president. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nude as well. <laughs> I think it was an honest mistake, really, because if you yeah. look at that, I think Homer was. There's you could anybody could have made that mistake, not just Homer. Yeah. It was pretty. The labeling on the sign was pretty <laughs> vague. Uh, I got to say, Homer's doing a pretty good job of flying an alien spacecraft yeah, to that got, point. All it has is one joystick, but even <laughs> so, you can imagine it being difficult. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, oh. that staircase. Yeah, there's about there's about 13 steps to the front door. I love, and just a creaky a creaky normal like bathroom door for the front door. We hope that people would like it rather than saying that it was unrealistic. <laughs> I love how fast he gets down at Henry. So I want you to pause it when the guy says, "I believe I'll vote for a third candidate, a third yes, party candidate." I will. I know what you're talking about. That's yeah. a, but are we to believe that it's some kind of magic staircase? <laughs> anyway. America. Take a good look at your beloved candidates. They're nothing but hideous space reptiles. Now this was the subject of some debate because it's like, wait a minute. I thought that they had trans, they had sort of transmogrified <laughs> themselves into these humans. They weren't just wearing latex human costumes <laughs> and squishing themselves down. But I think we just said, screw it. People won't care. <laughs> it's a funny image. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> We are aliens, but what are you going to do about it? It's a two-party system. You have to vote for one of us. He's right. It's a two-party system. Well, I believe I'll vote 
That's okay. Skinner. That's Principal Skinner. That's the okay. Oh, all right, we, Bob, Bob was gonna, Thank you. Yes, yeah. it's it's a mistake, and it was in there, and it came back, and we, I think we only noticed it like, I think we may have noticed it just like about a couple days before this went on the air, and we're like, Principal Skinner is not in Washington for this event, and so they whatever they did was they we revoiced it. And we also recolored the hair, so it ah. and recolored the suit, I believe. So it yeah. and his tie, Skinner was a purple tie, right? So it was all recolored, revoiced. But even so, you caught the mistake. Well, so <laughs> the the mistake was Skinner shouldn't be in Washington D.C. Right. It's weird. I mean, doing the show, Skinner shows up a lot of places he shouldn't be, like the Itchy and Scratchy it, trial. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, it even stopped you. I mean, it would stop. It stops the comedy because you're like, whoa, wait, it's Skinner, <laughs> and it, it it adds a different layer. To the joke, if it's like Principal Skinner talking, and you caught it. I mean, it's it's definitely a stopper. We hope people would notice. Seems like most people didn't notice. <laughs> Secret twin theory. <laughs> Third party candidate. Go ahead, throw your vote away. <laughs> Everybody said that. <laughs> All hail President K. understand why we have to build a ray gun to aim at a planet I never even heard of. Don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. Go! <laughs> so Kodos could have been the first female president, but America was not ready. <laughs> Especially uh, then. But Bill, were you surprised by uh, Ross Perot getting a huge laugh in this room? Yeah. After I the Bob Dole reaction? That. I mean, it's like Harold Stassen or some sort of joke like that. Like, <laughs> see, nobody knows what Harold Stassen is, but everybody nope. knows what Ross Perot is. They're it's equally dated. They're equally dated <laughs> third-party candidates, I would say. But uh, we were talking about this joke earlier, and I think it's been misinterpreted. Uh, what was your intentionality behind this? You know, throw your vote away, two-party system sort of a uh, commentary. Because I think it's really true. Like. Don't you think if this really happened, people would still not vote for the third-party candidate? Yes. <laughs> right. There you go. I think that's actually, I think it is the same, it's as true now as it was then. I think if this really happened, people still would not vote for the Green Party candidate or the Libertarian candidate, and, and we would be stuck with the alien as the president. I mean, every election, I think Henry would agree, like, we see this misread. Like, yes, uh, this, this show is telling us a third-party candidate is worthless, but I think it's the opposite, the opposite mm -hmm. meaning you have. Like, Well, no matter how, I would say that... The, no matter how valuable or worthwhile the third-party candidate is, nobody's going to vote for them. Mm -hmm. Not enough people are going to vote for them. I mean, I think the joke is extremely clear. <laughs> and way ahead of its time, I think, for 96. Uh, I, I love the flag, too, the flag of the new Earth flag. Of yeah, just the, much the, bigger than the U.S. flag on the and, pole. And the, uh, yeah, also, the, so Kang wins, who was dull. Was that meant to be a prediction, or was it just like, eh? I can't even recall. I don't know which one is which. To be honest, I honestly still, even at this day, most of us were never able to tell the difference between, just like Rod and Todd Flanders. We, know, we had a very hard time telling the difference between them. I don't think most of the writers ever knew which one was Kang and which one is Kodos, and I don't even right now at this moment know which one is which. <laughs> Well, how'd you decide? I see this had the same Halloween name you had the, the last year. How, how'd you decide on Halloween names? That, I mean, every year people, like, I think the first season we were on there, it was like objectionable Bill, Bill Oakley and jaded Joss Weinstein, something like that. But I think once we hit on this, we were like, this is perfect. I don't want to blow my own horn, but I think this is the perfect Halloween name for a two writer pair because it rhymes late and estate. Uh, and it's like, uh, you didn't get that till just now? I just got it. 
I didn't go to Harvard, Bill. <laughs> I went to Gudger College. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's the perfect. It's the perfect. Halloween name for us because it's not like it's not just a corny pun it's like these guys are dead they're both dead I don't know I really like it sorry <laughs> yeah, I like it they're both, we're both dead and in fact the first time this aired we got at least three calls from people from like my high school and stuff who were like is Bill dead? <laughs> you should have put a black and white picture of you and Josh at the end of the show <laughs> in memoriam <laughs> Awesome. Oh, what a classic. That, that is, uh, I mean, can you pick a favorite of the ones you'd worked on? Like, what is your, do you have a favorite Treehouse segment from the years you worked on the show? You know, I, I really like Homer Cubed, but I think in terms of like, I really like all these ones, or mm. else I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have put them on <laughs> in the first place. I wouldn't have done them. I actually still think I might like the Lard Lad one best. Oh. Like, I, like, I just... I love those characters. I love the I love Lard Lad and I love Red Devil Realty and, and I love the all those other weird giant statues and stuff. That's the one I like to watch, you know, but like each one has different things I like. <laughs> There's some pretty horrifying deaths in that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the smooshing of the people under the beer bottle, the neon <laughs> beer bottle, I think is my favorite. Yeah. Or the Zip Boys, who are not the Pep Boys. <laughs> Legally distinct. Yep, of course. <laughs> and yeah, and the guys say, don't scratch up them heads. I love it. They're dragging their heads on the ground. I love that. And I guess, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess that's it. I mean, so, any, any parting... Or, yeah. Sorry, Bob. No, no, go ahead. Well, yeah, any parting thoughts about your uh, Treehouse, Havar, and Simpsons, and Halloween, Bill? Aren't you guys supposed to ask me some questions? Oh, uh, yeah, I, mean, like, I don't know. You guys, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't really have any parting thoughts, but I guess <laughs> if you gave me a question, a more specific question, I might be able to... Mm. <laughs> we can talk about candy. Andy again. Yeah. So PB Max. Okay. <laughs> Take us back to the well, no. uh, late 90s. Okay. Well, you know, actually, have you ever done a Simpsons themed Halloween costume? I don't think I have. I don't think I have. Um, but I've been told. My daughter is really insistent that I should go as King Zog because I look like King Zog <laughs> from Disenchantment. I'm like, hey, come on. <laughs> Ouch. I'm not quite that fat. And she's like, oh, well, you're close and you can have a girl mustache. <laughs> so, so, anyway, so like King Zog, that may be my costume sometime soon down. But, but, but I haven't done any Simpsons ones, I don't think. That, uh, that crown with a dealy bobber is pretty cool. I yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> and uh, we talked, we interviewed you a brief, a brief bit about shitposting, and uh, I believe uh, a few months ago, maybe it was longer, you declared the Steam Ham memes dead, but it survived. So Bill is the writer of the Steam Ham segment, if, if you don't know that. He wrote the entire thing. Um, <laughs> and yet it lives on still. I wouldn't say, I mean, well, I wouldn't declare it yeah, I, I, I got far be it from me to be so presumptuous <laughs> as to tell the internet if something was dead. That I just think that like I don't want to participate in killing it, and I don't want it to be one of those things where ten years from now everyone is like, "That's stupid! Look at that stupid relic of the past, and we were idiots, and we were tweeting about steamed hams." Because like that's what happens to everything that's four or five years old now, as it becomes a humorous relic of the past. You know, like. Um, you know, keep calm and carry on signs are like four years old now. They're like, oh, they're, they're the subject of parody. I don't want that to happen to steamed hams. So I'm like, let's give it a rest, everybody. And But I still see new ones almost every day that I really like. Do you have any new favorites since we last talked to you? Just today, about 15 minutes ago, I got the LimeWire one. Yeah. 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 There is a new era of Simpsons LimeWire jokes. I don't even really know exactly what happened with that LimeWire thing, right? But I, I got the gist. Yeah. <laughs> It was just a vehicle for viruses to enter your life, really. 
<laughs> that's a great one. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, gee, I guess uh, that's it. Oh, by the way, though, but the dud. I really want the I dud. Want to say, yes. Oh, the dud. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, as much as I love the steamed hams memes, I love the dud ones far more. Like I don't know. Like it's because of that face, the face that Homer makes. And if, if you haven't seen, if you are familiar with, if you know, have any idea what I'm talking about, check out the supercut of the dud where the, they've pasted that onto like 19 different Great Simpsons moments. They pasted the Homer face and the dud onto onto. It's just it's blows your mind because it's also actually kind of it's kind of creepy in a strange way because it's just like the eerie smile it's like you know it's like Jack Torrance in The Shining smiling as he says here's Johnny it's creepy but also fascinating anyway those are the ones I love I really like the one where it's from Homer the Smithers in Mr. Burns is sticking the mirror under the door you can explain it He sticks the mirror under the door, and normally when he would see so Homer, he sees the dud, and then he reacts. <laughs> yes, it's really good. So I just can't get enough of that of that particular one, and it seems like that's actually one that that isn't being beaten to death. Like it had it had a brief arc of like two or three months when everybody was talking about it, and then it was forgotten. And I think that's probably the, mm-hmm. the most noble way for one of those to die. Like the liver and onions, that was a great. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that was like three great weeks of July or whatever it was when that was the meme that everybody was doing. God, I love those. What a time to be alive. <laughs> are there any gags from your seasons that you feel are underexploited in meme territory, or that you haven't seen memed yet? I saw one meme of this. Like all the jokes that I say around my house are the ones that were not jokes that actually are like straight lines. But I can't. I love them. One of which, most specifically, is that's really more of a weekend thing, Ray. <laughs> when George Bush is going through the drive-through and says, and he says, "Why don't you just get the cheeseburger, sir?" And he says, "What kind of stew do you have? We don't have any stew. Why don't you just get the cheeseburger, sir?" And he's like, "That's really more of a weekend thing, Ray." Like George Bush. All he wants to eat cheeseburgers on the weekend because it's a weekend thing. That I feel like it says a lot about that one. I've only seen one with that, and I think it was like a week ago, and I retweeted it. But like uh, most of the things that I talk about at home, or my wife quotes from The Simpsons, are one are things like that that nobody else ever noticed or cared about. You know. Well, I mean, he lived through the depression. Cheese was a luxury. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But all right, well, I guess uh, that's it for the show. But thank you so much, Bill. Yeah, give it up for Bill Oakley, everybody. And uh, I mean, yeah. thank you all for coming out too. Thanks for yeah, We'll be talking Simpsons. We'll be in the back. We're selling the posters. That poster. We'll be signing it too. So say hi to us. We'll be hanging around for a bit after the show. But thanks for coming out. Really appreciate it, everybody. Yes, thank you.